Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. Every day, the Make It Right podcast shares a leadership quote on social media. These come from people from all walks of life, and they provide a daily snippet of leadership intelligence. But what makes a great leader? And how has that evolved over the centuries, the decades, and how's it evolving now? Welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman, and this week on the show, we're looking at leadership with Dave McEwen. He's the founder and CEO of Oatfield Leadership, and he's also the author of a brand new book called The Self-Evolved Leader. It's a step-by-step guide to elevating leadership to be authentic, focused, and purposeful. Dave, it's always great to have you on the show. Nice to chat with you again. Great to be back again, Janet. I just love talking uh, with you about all things leadership. Well, that's great because we are going to do just that. So how have you seen leadership evolve over the last number of years? Because you've had outfield leadership for a while. What's been changing in leadership? I, I think that the overarching shift that we're seeing is is one that's happening probably in connection and conjunction with just general societal shifts. And if I could sum it up in as crisp a way as possible, it's essentially that some of the old models of leadership uh, founded in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even into the 90s, were really focused around the the leader as the center of the story, the leader as the hero, the leader being sure about the direction that we're going in, and the, and and society painting that picture of of who we want to follow. And and I think that we've seen a shift away from that. Um, kind of brought along by the understanding that really in today's world that moves so fast, nobody can have all of the answers. No one person knows 100% the right direction to go in. And so actually what we're looking for in our leaders today is somebody that leads with a, a degree more a degree of more vulnerability and empathy. Somebody who says, I'm not 100% sure that this is the right direction. It's my best guess. What do you think? Wouldn't it be great if we went um, there together? Uh, and so I think that's a, a huge shift that's, that's happening, but it's not yet complete. We're sort of stuck between these two, um, these two phases of, of growth and development. So you're saying that um, the performing of heroics isn't going to be one of the things that leaders need to do in the very near future, correct? Yeah, I think that in in general, we have glorified the heroic leader and and we take it from analogies like the military and sports and um, superhero movies. The problem with using that as an analogy, well, there's two. One, the worlds of sports movies and the military don't actually cross over well to our our organizations. And and so as a result, what we're doing is we're painting a, a, a distorted image of what it really means to lead when we lead through acts of 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 heroism and heroics um and by that i mean essentially the hero or sorry the leader taking the perspective that my role as a leader is to know the answers to tell people what to do and to do um to to, to jump in and save the day and make the diving catches if i need to what that does in the long run is um it builds this sense of learned helplessness in our people so if my boss is always going to tell me what to do or solve my problems for me um i'm just going to stop thinking for myself i'll just if i've got a problem or a challenge i'll just go straight to them 
Um, and then secondly, it, it, it forces the leader to be the bottleneck um, because ultimately all decisions stop with them and they become more and more overwhelmed by the work that they're taking on. And that all amounts to the number one problem, which is heroic leadership is not scalable on any level because we can't, you just can't scale heroism. So if, if we're moving away from that, um, and as a leader, you have people coming to you with that, you know, help me out. How do you turn that ta- the tables and you turn the tables and say, okay, well, I'm not the hero here. So what, is it a question of what do you think we need to do here when the leader is asked these things? Um, yeah, I think you're 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 definitely going in the right direction there. There's some very tactical things that that we can do. Um, things like just taking a pause, which is a really powerful leadership strategy. Uh, too many managers and leaders out there, they just start talking to think, and 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 before they know it, they've kind of issued their directive. And so, just taking a, a pause, taking a beat before responding, and then asking a question like, "Well, what do you think?" Um, at the heart of great leadership is the ability to ask better questions um, because that that empowers our people to do some of the heavy lifting and to do some of that thinking so somebody comes to you with a problem instead of saying well I think you should do this just taking a pause and saying well what do you think or what have you tried or what's worked and what hasn't worked and and help them come to their own solution rather than um, uh, telling them how to do it obviously underneath all of that there's a behavioral shift and that can be more difficult to do than just you know mere tactical um uh, things you know tools and tips that you can do on a daily basis so how do you help people become this self-evolved leader when it is completely a different mindset that they have to come into yeah you're you're absolutely right there the first point that you have to address is this mindset shift Uh, like any behavioral shift that we want to make whether it's working out more or eating more healthy or not drinking as much or being kinder and compassionate to our family all of that starts with a mindset shift and so the overarching shift that i teach folks is to move away from this notion of being a a heroic leader towards being a self-evolved leader and at the heart of being a self-evolved leader is this mantra my focus is to help those on my team achieve our shared goals and in doing so to help them become the best version of themselves. And essentially that is the starting point because there's no room for heroic leadership in there because you're essentially saying my goal is to help my team set and achieve our shared goals. But in achieving those goals, they have to grow and develop as well. And so that means that I have to empower them. I am to, to, to take a step out and solve their own problems. I have to give them the support and the guidance to do that. And I have to give them the room to fail and to learn from that rather than leading through uh, heroism or fear and essentially putting padding around my people. I think that at certain times in a, a company's uh, history or in you know the history of people in general, we run into these situations where we look like it's like there's a looming crisis or we are in a crisis and people do turn to the leader for that leadership. How do you handle that as a self-evolved leader? 
Uh, and, you know, interesting times we're in at the minute, obviously, um, with the worldwide pandemic that's um, fixated us for the last number of weeks and months and will likely continue to do so. Um, it's, it, there's been an interesting response out there that I've seen. Um, some folks have come out and tried to lead with certainty. Uh, so they say, you know, don't worry, I've been through this before. I know we'll be all right. We'll get through it. Uh, some people have led through fear, and so they kind of just try to shut everything down and, and reduce it to its lowest common denominator and, and try not to um, just basically try to reduce all of the risk that's happening. Some people are trying to lead through opportunity, so they go, you know what, we're not going to be a victim. We're going to make this our greatest month ever or our greatest year ever. You know, We're going to um, ensure that this is our opportunity. And unfortunately, what that does is in, in order to succeed in that, um, aspect you've got to prey on other people's fear and and so where the most positive response is coming is those leaders who are leading with vulnerability and by that I don't mean weakness uh, we often conflate vulnerability with weakness what I mean is the ability to stand up and whether it's at a governmental level or a business level and say and and, and saying something along these lines yes this is a crisis that we are in yes it is tough yes this is difficult um, I I know that this will be a long journey for us. I don't know all the answers. Here is what we do know to date. This is the information that we have. Here is our best guess to where it's going. And here's what we are putting in place in order to get us there. This will likely change over the coming weeks and months and we will react appropriately. And so it's those leaders that are stepping forward and being sure about the things that they know that they can be sure about and being flexible and agile elsewhere. There's true vulnerability in doing that. And I think those leaders are having the best impact at the minute and in any crisis. And I guess if you admit as the leader or you state outright, you know, I don't have all the answers, that opens the door for other people who may have some good ideas or may have an answer to come forward without fearing that they're, I don't know, for lack of a better word, stepping on your toes. Absolutely, and, and that applies not just in a, in a period of crisis, but at any time, um, you know, a leader has a degree of experience uh, and a degree of knowledge and a set of skills that they have developed over their life and their career. And that is valuable and we, and, and it's important, but it's not the whole picture. There are other people that have their own experiences and their own set of skills and their own way of viewing the world. And when we put our blinkers on as a leader and say, I've been through this before in any circumstance, and this is how we're going to get through, we're sucking the energy and the oxygen out of the room. And we're really, for the most part, stamping down on creativity and innovation, um, which ultimately comes whenever we consider more than one person's viewpoint. So Dave, you say in your book, actually, that you believe that becoming a great leader should be the goal, not the means to some other outcome. And I guess it's just an evolution, right? So as you go through your leadership, you are learning um, how to do this and how people respond to you. And every situation probably brings you um, a new way of approaching your leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, 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 it's funny whenever you just look at the sheer numbers of people that are in managerial and leadership positions across um, the globe and, and how many of them just stumble into it because they believe that um, going upwards is the best thing for it. But the reality is being a manager or leader and, and, and 
overseeing a group of people is very different than uh, your functional ability to do the job and actually being able to say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to lead people. I'm quite comfortable doing my job and just staying at it and finding a career um, at, at that aspect of it shows a huge degree of emotional intelligence. And I worry that too many people just accept promotions and, and leadership positions because either there's pay attached to it or because they just feel it's the right thing to do. You should view leadership as a part of the legacy of your life that you're building. Being a great leader just for the sake of being a great leader is, is the goal. It's not to get to an end. It's not so that you'll have more profitability or sell more product or um, have a greater impact. Just the nature of character and being a good leader, we don't value that enough. Uh, and so I implore anybody that's listening to this, if you're in a leadership position or you want to be in a leadership position, ask yourself why, to what end, um, and on what sort of character are you trying to build for yourself? I wonder, like, in your experience meeting leaders, and it goes to this question we just discussed, um, are the people that are the really good leaders the ones that really want to be the leader? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very interesting point in that there's a degree of ego that goes in there that actually the best leaders have an ability to suppress. Uh, and so folks that are driven um, for success, power, or authority often find themselves in those leadership positions uh, when quite often the ones that don't seek them out are better leaders. And, and I hope that our organizations and culture en masse are making a shift to recognize, value, appreciate, and reward some of those less ego-driven leaders um, to, to give them a greater voice and a greater seat, seat at the table. Can you talk about some people that you've been working with that are, are on this journey to becoming a self-evolved leader and some of the challenges that they've had? It's like, share some real-life stories with us. Um, absolutely. The, the biggest challenge that comes for anybody really making this shift is the fact that we have these years' worth of um, synapses that we've grooved in our mind in the way in which um, we show up. And so just trying to unpick that and rebuild good habits over the top of that um, is just, it's just tough. And so I've spent about three years working with the president of a retail company um, who started out very much as the heroic leader, as the person who knew all of the answers. And over the last three years, he has worked really hard to build a leadership team around him that um, are, are, as a result, the team is running the business. They have their hands on the wheel and they become less and less dependent on him. But the problem and the challenge is as you empower a team and a group, when you can see them potentially going in a direction that you wouldn't necessarily have taken or that might uh, provide the opportunity for failure to not want to dive in and to, to save the day is a, has been a real hard struggle for him. And so I've been working with him on just um, making that decision. Is this 
big enough of a challenge that if it were to go awry, it would be problematic, in which case, yeah, then we have to have a conversation with the team versus the likelihood in most cases is this is just a preference aspect. This isn't the direction that you would go in. So let the team make the decision, let them um, implement it, and then use it as a learning lesson for everybody. And um, uh, that's just a hard shift to make because you're used to acting in a certain way. And so we're just teaching and training new behaviors and new habits um, to, to help them overcome that old way of thinking. And how do you pull somebody by, like that back from the ledge where they want to jump in and say, oh, no, we can't do it that way? How do you pull them back? You remind them of the... Um, 18 hour days that they had they used to have to work um, because <laughs> they were doing that all of the time and remind them that they've been able to take weekends and holidays over the last year and and that actually uh, you know the end result is the is the place of where they want to get to and, and to keep going there now for some people um, and that's the sign of a, of a self-evolved leader, right? The ability to understand who they are as a leader and to not necessarily try to make the negative aspects go away, but to understand whenever it pops up and to say, okay, that's how I would typically approach it. You know, I understand that that's there. Here's a different direction that I'm going to go in. And to be very intentional about their approach. Self-evolved leaders are very intentional about the decisions that they make, about when they're going to pull back some of those natural instincts and when they're going to use them to their advantage. There are some folks who struggle to make this transition because the reality is, even though they pay lip service to understanding the transition, at the end of the day, they don't want to make it because they just want to be the kingmaker. They want to be the person that has all of the authority at the end of the day. That's where their ego gets stoked. And, and, and in some cases, some people just don't ever make that transition. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of those leaders who do want to get away from, from being the kingmaker and do start this path of self-evolved leadership and they do start to find all of that free time because their team is actually doing their job. What are they able to achieve now that they're not being the hero? Yeah, the key value that a leader will add when they can make this transition is the ability to think about the medium and long-term direction of their team and the development of their people. And when you're operating as a heroic leader, you spend so much time in the weeds pursuing crisis, making up crisis, firefighting, because that's where you get your endorphin rush and you spend not enough time or certainly not enough proactive time thinking about the medium and long-term direction of your team and the development of your people. And so when you go through this process, you find that you've got the time to proactively review the next 12 months, the next quarter, the next half of a year, and you've got the time to make more intelligent, informed, innovative, and creative decisions about the direction that you're going in over that period of time. And you've also got more time to stand alongside your people and to give them longer term um, uh, mentoring and coaching to help them develop. Um, so, so those two aspects, medium long term direction of your team, and then the time to develop your people. And what's that team look like once self-evolved leadership starts to take hold? 
for a team that's led by a truly self-evolved leader, ultimately anybody at any time, any individual could step away from the team and their role could be filled with somebody else with minimal disruption because we're building our success um, on our collective efforts, not on any one individual. Secondly, a self-evolved team has the ability to take shifting priorities and new inputs and to subsume it, put it into a course of action and kick it out at the other end in a result in a way that feels smooth and forward moving. Whereas as I'm sure you and a lot of listeners um, uh, feel currently, when a priority shifts or we get a new opportunity or a new initiative, there's this, this tendency to kick up a big dust cloud and everybody lurches from side to side to try to figure out what's going on and how to keep up with that. Self-evolved leaders build teams that have the ability to deal with those sorts of shifts and priorities and new inputs in a much more seamless way. It's not perfect, but it's a, a lot more aligned and focused. So in history, or even now, who do you see that is embodying the traits of the self-evolved leader? I think there's a couple of folks out there that are that are um, coming to mind. I mean, ultimately, for for me, a good sign is anybody that aims to leave their organization or their community um, in a better way than they found it. That they're driven by the human side of leadership rather than the um, you know maximize shareholder value side of it. And a couple of years ago, a guy called Dan Price, who runs a tech firm up in in Silicon Valley or Seattle, maybe, um, called Gravity, um, said that he understood that the living wage in the area that he lived was about $70,000. And so he took a pay cut to ensure that everybody on his staff received at least $70,000. And at the time, everybody thought it was madness. They thought it was a form of socialism and um, that the company was going to, uh, you know, they were going to uh, collapse and they've gone from strength to strength and they've grown year on year. Uh, year in, year out, and he's built a team that is willing to give back into the organization because they're getting something from it. Uh, and then another great example is um, the CEO of uh, Patagonia. Uh, Patagonia is an interesting company to watch. They have um, this notion of impacting their community in positive ways built into the vision and mission of the organization. And so you look at little things like for the last couple of years, they've closed on Black Friday to allow their staff to, to have the day off to spend with their family. What a great sentiment to say, you know what, the biggest sales day of the year, that's for our, our team to recharge with their family because they're going to come back and they're going to kill it for the rest of the year. And they were um, one of the first organizations um, as the coronavirus pandemic started to spread who closed down all of their stores and said, we're going to pay our people um, because that's most important to us. So aspects like that, um, folks that are truly leading with empathy, with vulnerability, um, building the human side of the connections that they have with their team, with their partners, with their vendors, with their clients, uh, and with their community around them. So what are some key takeaways for, for how people can get started on the, the path to self-evolved leadership? I guess the first key takeaway is buy the book and have a look through it. Because honestly, Dave, you tell some great stories. You, you describe some great scenarios in the book that I think most leaders would recognize and you walk them through that process. But just off the top, what would be some key takeaways to get people started? 
And thank you very much for saying that, Janet, about the book. I, I wrote it to be as accessible as possible to as many leaders as possible, regardless of the position there. And the first step is to make that mindset shift that we talked about. So to make your focus, um, helping your team achieve your shared goals and in doing so to develop into the best version of themselves. And then from there, there's a set of steps that you can walk through that are simple to describe, but they're a little more difficult um, to do in practice. The first one is to recraft your vision for your team with your team involved so make them co-conspirators in painting the picture of where you want to be 12 months uh, or three years from now and and then you sort of work backwards and you say okay if that's where we want to get to what's the what's the implementation rhythm that we need to walk through to ensure that we get there so how do we set a series of annual goals to to get us closer to that vision how do we break that down into 90-day sprints and then ultimately how do we break that down into the daily actions that everybody takes takes uh, every day. So you've built this vision with your team of where you're going. You've got, you've charted the course with this implementation rhythm. And then there are a set of, of uh, I call leadership disciplines to build, um, which are those behavioral aspects to really help you chart that course. Uh, and I talk about um, those disciplines in, in the book, but they're things like um, making sure that you're being intentional, that you're taking a pause whenever you're being asked to evaluate a situation, that you spend time coaching your team rather than telling them what to do. Um, but ultimately just having that focus of how can I make these people the best version of themselves rather than me taking all of the glory. Hmm. That's a good, that's a good point. Dave, I really appreciate uh, having you on the show again. It's always good to talk to you. I always learn something and uh, uh, good luck with the book. I think it's terrific. Thank you so much, Janet. It's always fun to talk with you about these things. Hope you have a wonderful week. Yeah, same to you. So Dave McEwen's book is called The Self-Evolved Leader, and it's a really interesting book that has little um, exercises at the end of it and connections that you can go to links from the book to, to learn more and to try out other things. It's a great tool for the leader. So if you're interested, you can find it uh, at selfevolvedleader.com and on Amazon. Dave McEwen is the founder and CEO of Outfield Leadership. He has discussed the art of leadership on Make It Right a couple of times with us, episodes 46, 47, and 89. So if you want to check those out as well, they are there for you. That's our show this week. Please check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds that are on our podcast page and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And the Make It Right podcast is brought to you by Kevin Smith, leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, Five Steps to Align Your Manufacturing Business from the Front Line to the Bottom Line. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening to the Make It Right podcast.